Hello, good morning, and welcome to Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt, and today we're going to talk about what happens when life hands you proverbial proverbial lemons. It's easy to praise God on the sunny days and the days that you get the job you applied for, you get the raise you were praying for, you get the the low bill that you were asking for, you get the good diagnosis from the doc, but what about when life hands you lemons? What about those days? What about the days when the storms hit and everything's rough? What do we do on those days? That's what we're going to talk about today on Bible Study Live. Hey, thank you so much for joining me this morning on Bible Study Live. I'm so grateful that you are here with me. Uh, whether you're watching this live or after the fact, I sure do appreciate you. Hey, um, so here's the deal. Try and remind everybody of this every time that we uh, do Bible Study Live. But uh, here's the thing. Um, the whole goal of wrestling with the scriptures together is to create some conversation without condemnation. So we're not always going to agree and stuff, but we're not going to argue about it uh, because it doesn't do any good anyway, right? Um, but here's the deal, though. The, the idea is that hopefully this will cause you to get in your Bible and wrestle with it, too. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been talking to a lot of friends lately, uh, and it seems like um, almost everyone has got some sort of storm going on in their world, right? Whether it's work-related stuff, home-related stuff. Man, even if you're following God, you're going to get some storms, right? And a long time ago, um, I used to hear people say, you know, when it was tough, they would say, well, you know, the rain falls on the good and the evil. Uh, as though, um, you know, that meant, listen, bad's going to come even if you follow God. And here's the fact. It is true that bad things will come. Uh, to, you know, all of us are going to face some storms, some struggles. Um, however, that Bible verse <laughs> is not about bad. It's actually uh, about, <laughs> this is interesting. So um, I'm going to touch on this really quick, but then we'll move on. Um, so the scripture that talks about the rain falling on the good and evil isn't an example to tell Christians, hey, bad things are going to happen to you. Rain was actually seen. Remember, God's people, the Hebrew people, were a desert people. Rain helped sustain crops. Rain brought water. Rain brought life. Rain brought new emergence. Rain brought growth. So actually, that verse is more about how God actually still showers blessings on the good and the evil. Might not bring you more comfort to know that, but it's important that we understand the meaning behind the scriptures, right? Text and context. But today we are going to talk about um, how to, how we should respond to God, no matter where we're at. And we're going to look at some words of David, uh, King David, in Psalm 23. Now, here's the deal. Uh, as we take a look at Psalm 23, one of the things that I want to remind you of as we're wrestling through this is um, that, look, when you hear these words, you may not feel like you may, you may not feel like God's with you in the middle of the storm. You may not feel that presence of God for some reason. 
And here's the deal. Sometimes, like, we, we feel, we honestly feel like spiritually, physically, we feel that God is with us. But sometimes we don't feel that. And you might say to yourself, well, why, do, why don't we feel that? Is it something wrong with me spiritually? Am I, is it, am, I, am I not walking right spiritually? Like, why do I feel this way? But I want to encourage you with this. Um, even Jesus on the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? Basically, like, why, why don't I feel you here? Why are you gone? Why did you leave me? The reality is our feelings aren't always aligned with the facts of the situation. And the fact is, God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. So sometimes when we don't feel him there, we have to really exercise faith and remind ourselves, God, I know you're there. And so today we're going to read from Psalm 23. I'm going to share my screen with you. And, um, and we're going to read it from the message because I think that the message translation is beautiful. And uh, I love the way this is worded. Oh. One more thing before we dig into it. Let's just talk about, well, nope, let's dig into it and then we'll talk about this. Okay, here we go. Psalm 23. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You receive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of the rest, or every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Come on, now let's talk about David, because this is King David, right? And let's just go through uh, what he's saying here, uh, because it's important to dig into um, and to understand kind of who this is that's writing. And uh, one second, I just want to pull up something. All right. <clears throat> okay, so let's go through who David is. David was a shepherd boy, right? He, David started out as a shepherd. And we know that David, you know, ends up slaying Goliath, um, right? When everybody is like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is, uh, this giant that, that's going to destroy us. And, and Goliath is out there trash talking God. And we know David slays Goliath, right? But who is David? Let's just, let's just talk about who David is. So David was a shepherd. And first, when, when uh, you know, prophet comes to his father, hey, the next king's in your house. <laughs> he brings every other brother there but David. Uh, and then he's like, the prophet's like, no, this, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. Uh, do you have another son? He's like, oh, yeah, he's a kid, though, right? Uh, <laughs> so it's David. Um, David later becomes the king. Right, we see so many beautiful things about David. God loved David, but David wasn't a perfect person. As a matter of fact, David he did some pretty evil stuff, man. I mean, he was gazing from his rooftop one day or his terrace, and he sees Bathsheba, sees this beautiful woman bathing, who's married to one of the soldiers in David's army, and David decides he wants to have her, and so he does. 
And then uh, he he feels remorseful. And so he, you know, he invites her husband over and he tries to get him drunk to go get him to go lay with her. Uh, right. Um, and his soldier is so loyal to him. He's like, no way, Jose. So what does David do? Well, David decides he wants Bathsheba. So he sends her husband to war, puts him on the front lines and gets him killed. When, when he's being attacked, like David gives complete complete orders right when when the attack comes everybody back off let him stay in the front leave him leave him to die basically so this is the same david that that wrote psalm 23 so we got to know this is an imperfect person writing here this is a guy that would sin that would that would do things that would not please god yet his words are still in the holy scriptures for us to learn from and one thing i uh that i take away from anything that i read um as it relates to David, is it's a good reminder that God's not finished with you and me. When we fall into times of trouble, when we make bad choices, when we look at our life and we go, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this. Uh, I, you know, what would God want with me? I'm a broken, imperfect sinner. We can look at the life of David and go, man, this is a guy who who brought joy to God's heart still in spite of the things that he did. So God, God will, will still love you no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, and no matter what idiotic choices you and I have made. God doesn't stop loving us because a loving father can look at his children and go, that's a bad choice. You shouldn't do that. That is really dumb of you to do. And still go, I love you. And sometimes God will allow us to go through tough seasons. I was listening to um, this book by Jeff Mannion in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's a pastor of Ada Bible Church. This book is beautiful. I'm I will ask as many friends as possible. I want to encourage you. And I would encourage you to get the audio book on Audible and listen to it. Because Jeff Mannion has a beautiful way of sharing God's word. But he his book is called The Lamb Between. Um, and in this book, he talks about God's discipline in our lives. Now, this doesn't make a lot of folks happy. Um, but we can look at it as God's discipline or God's allowing us to go through tough times. Okay? Either way you want to look at it, right? The hard time in your life, is it God disciplining me? Is God just allowing me go to go through a rough patch because of some stupid choices I've made so that I can learn from them? Right? This, God allows whatever for his purpose and his ways are above our ways. Right? Like, we don't always know why. But Jeff was talking about this in his book, The Land Between. He was talking about discipline, okay, specifically discipline, uh, th things that, that uh, God's discipline. And um, he, he quoted the verse that often makes a lot of us very uncomfortable, if we're being honest, the, the whole, what people say, like, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? But um, Jeff was talking about this proverb that Solomon had written, you know, about that. And, and he said, you know, for to, for, to understand the context of that writing, for us to understand it, we have to understand what it meant in that time period. And this is crazy. So, well, it's not crazy. It makes a lot of sense. But it's crazy for us to conceptualize in 2022 because we think it means like, you know, go spank your kids, right? Like, oh, let's spank our kids. I've heard people use it that way. And it's, it's kind of not really right. But 
basically, in a nutshell, what he explained is that uh, God's discipline is sometimes painful. The things that God allows us to go through, uh, the pain that we go through sometimes, um, it is uncomfortable. But sometimes, many times, it's to prevent us from going through something catastrophic, something even worse. He said, um, it's interesting that we have such a hard time grasping this concept as it relates to our Heavenly Father, when the reality is we, we choose to live like this every day. And let me explain. Um, for example, when we get uh, out of shape, right? Like uh, I'm a 46-year-old man who allowed himself to gain way too much weight. And, uh, and now, uh, you know, I do exercise that hurts so that I can get my health to a place that will sustain a longer, happier life. He talked about, you know, people pay a personal trainer to, to bring hurt to them. Uh, and they do that because the pain that's going to come now is going to bring health and joy later, right? So that's a concept we don't have a hard time grasping when it comes to our physical bodies. But he talked about in, in Solomon's day and in this proverb, he said, you know, if you think about like a, you know, when you got your your young son, uh, who you need to help plow the field so that there's food on the table so your family can survive, uh, if he just wants to sleep in and not work, what are the consequences of that? What consequences does it mean? And and what he talked about is that God often disciplines because the consequence of our actions doesn't often just affect us, but it affects everyone around us. So for example, if everyone in the family wasn't working to sustain the crops and and the livestock, then the family could starve to death or the family could have to then go borrow money to purchase food from someone else and if you didn't pay back that debt in those days you would end up an indentured servant a slave to someone and if you're a slave well depending on who you are indebted to and who you were a slave to they may not treat you well they may abuse you it could even kill you so in Solomon's day, in writing that, that proverb, in, in saying, you know, hey, if you, the idea was that uh, if, if you get out to plow the field and your son isn't showing up and you go whack him with a stick on the leg and say, get out of bed, you need to get your butt out here and get to work. The idea was that the bruise will heal. But if you don't help him understand the importance of, of doing the work to survive, that, that it may lead to consequences far worse for that, for that child. So I, I bring that up because as we read David's psalm in Psalm 23, uh, what we see is he talks about a multitude of feelings with God. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. Now here's David out in the middle of nowhere. But what's he saying? I don't need anything. You've given me a lush meadow to lay down in. True to your word, you're letting me catch my breath. Here's, here's David going, I don't need anything, God. You've given me enough. He's like, you're pointing me in the right direction. And then right after that, he says, even when the way goes through Death Valley, or another translation, even though I walk through the valley of death, right? Even though I'm going through this, I'm not afraid. When you walk in my side, because your shepherd's crook, your trusty shepherd crook makes me feel secure. Other translations say, your rod and your staff comfort me. What did a rod and a staff do? Now, some people try and equate that to the rod of discipline. But you go, well, does that bring comfort? Well, in the long term, maybe. But really what this verse means and why the message translated, translates it as your shepherd 
comforts me is because during those tough times, God will lead and guide. If you if you know what a shepherd's crook did, it did a couple things. One, it would protect, it would be used to protect the flock from predators that came at them, right? Bears, lions, wolves, wh- wh- I don't know, why. whatever whatever creatures were in the wilderness that were attacking the sheep. The shepherd's crook would be used to defend them. David had killed lions. <laughs> David was a beast, man. So as a shepherd boy, he'd use his slingshot, his shepherd's crook, whatever. He was, he was, he was, he was protecting the flock. Probably why God chose him. Because David, a shepherd, was risking his life to tend to the sheep. And, and David is saying to God, your shepherd's crook, your rod, your staff, they bring me comfort. David's saying, I know what that's used for. I know that shepherd's crook. I know that rod and staff. I know that's used to protect the sheep. I know it's used to also pull them out of a ditch. Why do you think it was a crook? So they can pull them out when they fall in something stupid, like sheep, they kind of do stupid stuff apparently. But it was used to pull them out, right? You'd pull them out of a ditch if they fell in. You'd pull them out of an area that they fell into. And you would also use it to give them a gentle nudge to guide them in the right direction. And David is saying, God, when you're walking with me, I know you're doing the same for me. Even when I walk through the hard times, even when I walk through the valley of death, even when I walk through the time of job loss, even when a company fails, even when my relationship falls apart, even when my children hate me or my parents hate me, even when the person who I thought was my friend stabs me in the back, even when all the things come at me like a storm that I feel is going to end my life, God, I know you're going to guide me in the right direction. There's the words of David. I'm walking through Death Valley. I've got comfort because you're guiding and protecting me. I love it. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head and my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. How do you respond? How do we respond when we're going through the crap? When we're going through the thick? I'm going to be honest. My first response when stuff is tough is I get frustrated and angry. That's typically my first response. It shouldn't be. My first response should be, God, help me understand how to trust you and get through this. Because I'm scared, right? Everybody handles things differently. And and <clears throat> most of the guys I know, okay, and I know everybody's different, so there's exceptions to the rule, but most of the guys I know, when we go through a tough time, there are two things we tend to do. One, we get angry because we don't feel like we have control of the situation. And two, we withdraw. I know for me, uh, my kids will tell you this, Dara knows this, um, when I am struggling emotionally, when I am feeling, hold on, I need a drink of my coffee. It's roasted cacao beans. It's supposed to be better than you than coffee. Better for you than coffee. But it also tastes better than coffee, but still doesn't have, like, you know, sugar and stuff, so it's good. Um, when I'm going through those rough times, I tend to isolate by nature. I, 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 that's, that's who I am. Um, I know that this is a habit. Uh, that my children have, have, I would say, learned from me, right? When things are rough, pull back, give me some space, let me figure it out, let me get my head on straight. 
and David was isolated here, but but he wasn't because you know what he recognized? God, you're with me. And see, when I isolate myself during tough times, I sometimes struggle to have the same outlook as David. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, man, I don't want to be around anybody. I'm so ticked off. I'm so frustrated. But here's the things we can learn from David. Number one, that when David is, is saying this, he's, he starts by recognizing truth. God, you're my shepherd. I don't actually need anything. Meaning as long as I follow you, God, I'm always going to end up where I belong. It may not be an easy life. It may not be a stress-free life. But as long as I realize and keep my eyes focused that you are leading me, you are my shepherd, you are my protector, you are my provider, you are going to guide me in the right direction. As long as I remember that from the start and keep that top of mind, I'm always going to end up where I belong. Right? And that David starts Psalm 23 by recognizing that. He acknowledges true to your word. You let me catch my breath. Right? You give me a rest. Now, I'm going to switch up translations here because for those of you that are like, I've never heard it that way. though you know, I like the NLT or the NIV. I'm going to read it from the NLT. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, brings honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. Let's look at what this little footnote says. The dark valley of death. I will not be afraid, for you are close behind me. Your rod and staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's let's get ready to wrap with this. There's couple big things that I hope that you will take away from this today. One, recognize that God is with you. He is for you. Even when you don't feel him, your faith needs to help remind you God is here. He is with you. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. Remember, he is your shepherd. He will make sure you have what you need to get through the day. Recognize that God will give you opportunities to rest. It may not feel like it. You may be in a season of overwhelm right now. You may be saying, I'm working too much for too little, and I'm barely getting by. But if you listen and look, you'll see moments of rest. And those moments may be in your car on a lunch break, on a 15-minute break where you set your alarm. But he'll give you the rest you need to survive and get through the tough season. David says, he leads me beside peaceful streams and renews my strength. When you feel like you've run out of strength, when you feel like you've run out of power, when you feel like you just can't do it, can I encourage you? Are you asking God to renew your strength? God, give me what I need to get through. I'm struggling. I feel weak. I feel depressed. I feel lonely. God, give me what I need. Please help me be strong enough to get through this. Are we asking him for that strength? Because David says he renews. But sometimes maybe we forget to ask for that renewal. Huh? The next thing is this. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. God will point us in a direction of following his way. And his way is always the best way. And when we follow his way, we bring honor to him. God will lead you in the right path. 
if you'll seek him. And he will always do that because when his people are are, are shown, um, how do I want to say this? Because this is, I don't want to sound like prosperity gospel, but when's God, when God's people, when they're going the right direction and they're praising God, it brings glory to God. When God's people when, when God's people are doing well, it brings God glory, right? When it's, I think of it this way. When you take care of your children, people go, man, what a good parent. See, God is the perfect father, the perfect father. So when, when, you're, when you're going along the right path and people say, man, your life seems to be going so well, are you saying, yeah, because my father, because my father. He's leading me the right direction. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid because you're close to me. In the tough times when we don't feel God, we don't hear his voice as loud because the, you know, it's being, it seems like it's being drowned out by all the noise, the chaos, the struggle, the pain, the, the, the constant nagging from the enemies, little minions going, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're going to fail at this. Even in those moments. God's close. God's close. We need to trust that because our faith needs to be bigger than our fear. David says, you prepare a feast for me and my enemies. I love that statement because when I see that, it says, even when the people that hate you and want to see you fail and they're against you and they want nothing more than to just destroy you, even when they're right there, God's, God's cooking up a meal for you. What does that mean? It means, what does a meal mean? A meal means comfort. It means sustenance. If you think a meal in those times often was shared with family, it was a time of, of celebration, right? Yes. God has provided a meal. And David's here going, look, even when people are out to get me, I can celebrate. See, when you're sitting out in a meal, your hands are full. You're eating, which means you can't protect yourself, right? You're, you're putting food in your mouth, right? You don't have your weapons. You're not ready. But David is saying, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a meal, meaning in the presence of the people that want the worst for me, I don't have to watch my back because, God, you are. Even when people want the worst for you and you feel like I've got to go fight, I got to go battle, I got to go after them, I got to take them back down. I got to. No. No, David's words are saying, no, 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 no. Focus on what God's put in front of you. He's got a feast for you. He'll watch your back. You don't have to worry about that. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessing. Are you recognizing the blessing in your life? You might be going, things are hard. I'm scared about my work. Okay, I'm with you. I get it. But are you taking the time to look at the blessings in your life? Last week in small group, some of our friends were out of town. So the people that typically are in their group came and hung out in our group. And it was awesome. And uh, one, of the, one of the people uh, is this kid named Ryan O'Dell. He's an awesome kid. He's a senior in high school uh, and uh, just an amazing young man. And... Uh, godly kid so one of the th- we were talking about like what are you gonna do over the next week like to worship god with your life right and i said you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start uh writing down just at the beginning of every day 10 things that i'm grateful for just 10 things i want to get focused on being grateful 
for what God is doing. Because when I look around, I look at our world and the country, and I just go, man, dumpster fire, bad things happening, yada, yada, yada. But like David, I need to stop and go, man, God, you're, you're blessing me. You're taking care of me. What am I grateful for? What am I grateful for in my life? And so I said I was going to start doing it the next day, and I didn't. I actually started on Saturday. But it, you know what prompted this? It was funny because when I said that, Ryan Odell goes, and make sure you include me in all the things you're grateful for. And he was kidding. But but, but I wasn't because I'm grateful for that kid. So I said, okay, from then until this Wednesday night when we have midweek at church, we have a great worship night tonight. I wrote down 10 things I'm grateful for every single day. And the last one, of course, each day is this kid, Ryan. Because the kid brings so much joy. He's got such a good heart. Here's the thing. Are you recognizing the blessings in your life, even the little ones, right? This kid and his joy, that's a blessing, man. The fact that I have the technology to be able to wrestle through God's word and have friends join in and take a look. What's up, Frank? Hey, Frank. Uh, the, the fact that, uh, that I have the ability to do that with you guys, that's a blessing, man. The fact that my wife and I every morning can, can get in the Bible and wrestle with God's word together, that's a blessing. The fact that I can stumble across a devotional that I think is good for healing and I could share it with my son Liam and be like, hey, man, let's do this together. That's a blessing. Are you stopping to recognize the blessings in your life? This is what I love. David starts this by saying, God, you're my shepherd. I have all I need. And David ends Psalm 23 with saying, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Not only did he say, you're going to lead me and guide me. He said, you're going to love me enough to chase after me. What? Here's the thing. We don't always feel God's presence. Sometimes life feels like it sucks. But God's love is never going to fail you. He is always going to pursue you and chase you. He's always going to be the father that you should have had. Now, I think my dad was a great dude. I love my dad. He was a good guy. He tried to the best way he knew how to parent, and I don't knock him for that. But the reality is he had his shortcomings just like I have mine. I love my kids. I feel like there are times that I've been a good dad. I feel like there's a big season in my life where I was a selfish dad. But God is never the selfish dad. God is always the Father who will lead us and guide us if we ask and listen. Right? Knock, the door will be open. Seek and you'll find Jesus' words, right? Are we knocking, hey, Dad, I got to talk. Can we have a conversation? I need your guidance. Hey, Dad, I appreciate you. Hey, Dad, I love you. Hey, Dad, thanks for providing. Thank you for my friend Frankie, who's been one of my, like, family since the day we were born. Right? Thank you for my wife, who loves me in spite of me. <laughs> Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my friends who trust me enough to to pray with them during their struggles, right? Those are all blessings. Are we recognizing them? This Psalm of David, look, there's that saying, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Life doesn't actually hand us lemons, and lemons are delightful, by the way. <laughs> they're delightful and healthy. But the reality is, there are some challenges. We live in a broken world. We're broken people, real life, right? But when we're in the tough seasons, can we learn from David? We learn from this moment in 
this season in his life, how to handle our life. And I would say the answer is yes. And by the way, can I just tell you, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need, right? Um, my, my life first, Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be added to you. What is everything else? All these things, those words. Before that, um, Jesus is talking about, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, he's talking about, man, you know, people are worried about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear. And Jesus gives them this beautiful sermon where he, where he it's called Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus, Jesus shares with them something beautiful about God. He says, look at the birds. They don't, they don't sow a harvest. They just reap, right? They don't do, they don't add, they don't, they don't, they don't plant. But look, they're always, they're always fed. And they don't, <laughs> they don't grow trees to then cut down. They don't do something like that to help build uh, things to grow that would supply them a place to live. Yet they have shelter. And God loves you more than those birds. And he says, you're worried about what you're going to wear. He goes, but look at the flowers in the field. They're more beautiful than anything Solomon ever wore. But most of those flowers never even get seen before they die and pass away. And he says, aren't you worth more to God than those flowers and those birds? Of course you are. Jesus says, so seek God first. And all these things that you're worried about, all these things that you need, God will make sure you're covered. Doesn't mean you're going to have abundance. Doesn't mean you whip out your wallet in Jesus' name, fill the wallet. Stop. What it does mean is this. God loves you enough to make sure you'll get through the storm. My friends, God loves you. I love you too. Thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, can I just... Uh, close out with a blessing. May the Lord bless you. May he show you favor. May his rain fall upon you to bring you a good harvest in your life and renewal. May he renew your spirit and your confidence that you are a child of God. You are the son or daughter of the creator of the universe. May you be reminded of that daily and of his unfailing love. For you. In Jesus' name, I pray this blessing over your life. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. I'll see you all tomorrow somewhere between 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Uh, and can I challenge you with something today? Go and be a blessing to somebody. Whether it's giving somebody a smile who needs one, a hug, kind word, helping your neighbor. I'm going to challenge you. Go be the hand of God someone today. Go show some love in this world. It needs it. Look around. It needs it. So go be that. Thanks again for tuning in. Go out there and make your day and hopefully somebody else's amazing.